he is the first one to have claimed that children are sexual from birth. When you hear that term or that phrase, that's where that came from. It came from Alfred Kinsey. Um, he interviewed pedophiles who had raped children, and that's how he came to that conclusion. Uh, again, I know that's a bold statement, a powerful statement, but you can go to his books. You can look up his data. And um, uh, it's pretty alarming when you look to see. He was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and eventually U.S. tax dollars funded his research. Uh, now, one of the um, uh, people that I was trained by happened to have been the number one expert on Alfred Kinsey in the world, Dr. Judith Reisman. And she found herself, she was trying to sound the alarm in the 1980s on how bad the science was because she was finding that a lot of the institutions were shifting based on his science and research. So she found herself on the Phil Donahue show here in America, and she um, was sitting next to one of Kinsey's associates uh, who was a photographer, a videographer. So he, uh, Kinsey filmed, Kinsey required that his workers had to have sex with each other, with each other's wives. You had to be amoral because you were all part of the research. So um, uh, anyway, a lot of that was photographed and um, was filmed as well as the raping of children. This was all data that was brought together. But in his book, he actually uh, has a table. It's table 34 on page 180, and it documents how many orgasms do children have in a certain period of time. And this is probably the most uh, disturbing part that I would have to share with you. And uh, he, um, the youngest child in the chart is five months old. Um, and it went up to, I believe, 14 years of age. And one poor child is four years old. And he claimed that this child had 26 um, orgasms in 24-hour period of time. So if you wrap your head around that, that means that a child was raped for 24 hours straight. Now, in just a few moments, Tanya will be coming on to have a conversation with our special guest speaker, and we are so pleased that Audrey Warner is joining us on the Empower Hour tonight. Audrey is a professor and dean of the Life Issues Program for Masters International University of Divinity. She is the founder of the Matthew 18 Group, an international speaker, author, registered nurse with a professional education in STDs and HIV counseling. Audrey has spoken across the U.S. and internationally, where she shares God's plan for relationships, marriage, sexuality, and parenting. She is committed to teaching and encouraging parents and faith leaders to return to the biblical message of purity so our children and communities can experience God's peace, love, and grace, as well as protection from sexual disease, destruction, and death. Audrey, welcome to the Empower Hour. We're so glad you can join us today. Thank you for having me today. It's quite an honor to be. I, I was born and raised in Michigan, so I feel a close kindred spirit to Canada. 
Well, that's awesome. Thank you, uh, Heather, for that. And welcome, Audrey. I am just so excited about the show tonight. I, I think it's incredibly important. You know, people are so focused on what's happening in the here and now in our schools as they're waking up and finding about the sexual, sexually deviant agenda, the sexualization of our children. But, uh, you know, I, I, the more that we learn about the history of this, we can go back to our school board trustees, ministers of education, and other elected officials and say, how can you get behind this? How can you get mm -hmm. behind this based on the foundation of where this came from? And so uh -huh. we're going to use this Empower Hour tonight as a tool to send to our elected officials, ask them to view it, and then come back and, uh, you know, provide us with what exactly they support about this agenda. And I'm going to be very uh -huh. interested to see what they have to say. But anyways, welcome to the show. And uh, I just want to hand the reins over to you. I'm very interested in your presentation tonight. Okay, I'm going to click the share screen. So you'll all get to uh, view this. I, um, I started by saying getting to the root of the problem because obviously we have a problem. <laughs> we have uh, immorality that is rampant, not only in our country, in your country, all over the world. Uh, I say revolutions take revolutionaries years of pre-planning. So uh, as we look to the legalization, uh, because all of these things in this tree, all these branches that we are fighting uh, were illegal. Uh, so there was a trunk of the tree, which uh, was our legal system. And then I'm going to expose tonight uh, the root of the uh, legalization of all of these things. Okay, next slide. Let me advance the slide. Try to advance the slide. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so my starting point for this, this is not something I would have picked to do. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I work as a nurse. I'm in my scrubs, just came from work. Uh, but a part of my job as a nurse through the years, one of my jobs was as a sex educator. I was the one who was trained to go into the schools and talk to the children about sex. We were told that we would decrease the pregnancy and the sexually transmitted disease rates if we went in and talked to children about sex. We were also told that parents aren't doing their job, so we need to go in there and do it for them. And this was back in the uh, 1985 uh, through 1990. Uh, my husband and I were newly married. We didn't have children yet, and I wanted to help parents. So I thought, of course, I'll do that for them. I'll help them. Um, then, as the Lord should have it, when we had our first child, um, I wanted to work part-time for the health department that I had been working for as a school nurse, uh, but the only part-time job was working in the sexually transmitted disease HIV clinic. So it's as if over the next eight years, uh, the Lord opened my eyes to the fruit of my labor, and I saw things getting progressively worse, not better. And that made me wonder, wait a minute, this is the opposite of what they told me. It seems like the more we talk to children about sex, the more sexually active and the earlier they become sexually active. So uh, I started to do the research. I started to dig in and, and also as a mom, um, my uh, son who was born in 1991, 
son was coming up at kindergarten level in the mid-1990s, and uh, he was about to enter a Christian school where they had Christian sex ed. And so I was challenged to look at, this was the very first Christian sex ed to come out, and it has been used all over the world, uh, the Learning About Sex series uh, put out by Concordia Publishing House. So I looked into the origins of that sex ed as well as all sex ed, and I was very shocked at what I found. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So the question is for America, how did America go from chastity to condoms, from purity to AIDS, and from an absolute standard to no limits whatsoever standard in just two generations? So I say when you look into sex education, that's just the tip of a very large iceberg. Uh, the sex education came out of the sexual revolution. Uh, it was funded by uh, the wealthy elite of the world. Uh, and the plan was to infiltrate every institution. Uh, the foundations of the sexual revolution are very evil, very demonic. And really, it was a plan to shift uh, Christian nations away from God. And of course, if we go back to the beginning of time, uh, you know, since the garden, there has been a battle between good and evil. So one of the things I learned was that, and I didn't learn this in school, I learned this through my research, that America is a Christian nation. We say one nation under God, but we're a Christian nation not because we have more Christians or churches, but rather our laws and our government were founded on the principles of the Old and New Testament. Uh, when our founders set up the laws, they had the Bible and they had England's um, uh, William Blackstone's commentaries on law, which I know also affected your legal system as as well. There was a book put out uh, that by Rene Wormser, and he talks about the foundations, the wealthy elite, which in our country was the uh, Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, uh, Henry Ford. Uh, they all established tax exempt foundations, and that's what you'll find funding all of the programs that are going into the schools right now is that the wealthy elite, these foundations are funding all these programs. But these were the first foundations that were started up in the 1920s and 30s. And actually, our U.S. Congress began to be worried about what the moral shift. You could actually see the more that they started the foundations in the 20s and the 30s. By the early 1950s, there was already a moral shift going on in America. And our U.S. Congress became worried about that. So they did an investigation into uh, what was happening. And they found, for example, that the Carnegie's, they had founded the um, American um, uh, um, education with the Bible, uh, I'm sorry, the American History uh, Foundation in 1918, and that was to take out any reference to God in our history books, uh, to any miracles that were recorded. Uh, that was all taken out of our history books. We used to teach children about exactly what happened. Uh, the Rockefellers were founding Margaret Sanger, who, of course, founded Planned Parenthood, uh, which has become Planned Parenthood International. Uh, they also founded an organization called the American Law Institute with the goal uh, to eliminate 52 Bible-based laws that once protected marriage, women, and children in America. And they also funded a guy by the name of Alfred Kinsey. I'd never heard of him before I did this research. 
So the um, Congress looked into the connection between the um, foundations and Kinsey, uh, especially Rockefellers and Kinsey, and found that the Kinsey reports, uh, Kinsey's science, was a deliberate attack on Judeo-Christian morality. Well, why would the wealthy elite want to remove God from uh, a nation? Well, what happens when we remove God, then we have immorality. If we have immorality, then we have chaos. If we have chaos, then what happens? The government needs to come in and rule over the people, uh, which is just led by a few individuals. So uh, we have communism. And hence, I mean, if we really look at this, it's a movement toward a one world order. Now, one of our uh, signers of our Declaration of Independence uh, knew, a lot of our founders knew, that morality uh, was one of our greatest national security issues. Uh, uh, the signer of the Declaration of Independence, Samuel Adams, said a general dissolution of principles and manners will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when once they lose their virtue, they're going to be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. So we, America right now, is at a, a, a Red Sea moment. <laughs> we are being invaded through the borders right now externally, but we're also being invaded internally through the corruption in our government. So when we look to scripture, even how do you shift a Christian nation away from God? It always was sexual immorality. So where are you going to aim the attack first? Well, you have to aim it at men because they are the heads of the family. Hence, uh, in America, pornography became legal in the 1950s. You also have to aim the attack at marriage, which is the foundation of the family. So in 2015, the our Supreme Court ruled uh, in favor of of uh, gay marriage, recognizing gay marriage, but that wasn't really the death knell for marriage in America. You have to go back to, it used to be against the law to have sex outside of marriage uh, because it was considered a threat to the family. So fornication had always been against the law. Um, and then we have something called no-fault divorce. So make it very easy. If somebody just doesn't like somebody, you can just get out of that marriage, uh, you know, for any reason whatsoever. And then also you have to aim the attack at children. You have to raise up a generation that they believe are sexual from birth, and that can be in any direction. So hence, you have the birth of sex education. So let me talk just a minute about Alfred Kinsey. I did not know who this man was, but he kept showing up in uh, the Christian sex ed program as well as the foundations of sex education. Um, he was considered the father of the sexual revolution. He was a zoologist who taught classes at Indiana University. He studied the sexual behavior of the gall wasp. He was raised Methodist, uh, but he embraced Darwin uh, and walked away from his Christian faith. I'm not sure if it was ever there even, um, and uh, believed, well, what's the difference between a gall wasp and a human? So he began studying human sexuality. Um, his, uh, the media portrayed him as a happily married man back then, but he, uh, even his own associates admit he was a homosexual sadomasochist, and his belief was to advocate for all sexual rights. He would be very happy where the world is at right now. 
Uh, he began his research in the 1930s and he published his findings, America, uh, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male in 1948, Sexual Behavior in the Human Female in 1953. In his male data, um, he actually had an agenda. This is not subjective science. This is I mean, objective science, this is subjective science. He went into the prisons and he sought out the most sexually deviant criminals and said, this is the typical sexual behavior of the American male. For the females, he interviewed prostitutes who lived with their pimps. Now, back then, it was against the law to, to live with someone outside of marriage. So uh, he interviewed prostitutes. If they'd lived with a pimp for more than a year, he said, this is the typical sexual behavior of the American married female. Um, for the childhood data, he is the first one to have claimed that children are sexual from birth. When you hear that term or that phrase, that's where that came from. It came from Alfred Kinsey. Um, he interviewed pedophiles who had raped children, and that's how he came to that conclusion. Uh, again, I know that's a bold statement, a powerful statement, but you can go to his books. You can look up his data. And um, uh, it's pretty alarming when you look to see. He was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and eventually U.S. tax dollars funded his research. Uh, now, one of the um, uh, people that I was trained by happened to have been the number one expert on Alfred Kinsey in the world, Dr. Judith Reisman. And she found herself, she was trying to sound the alarm in the 1980s on how bad the science was because she was finding that a lot of the institutions were shifting based on his science and research. So she found herself on the Phil Donahue show here in America, and she um, was sitting next to one of Kinsey's associates uh, who was a photographer, a videographer. So he, uh, Kinsey filmed, Kinsey required that his workers had to have sex with each other, with each other's wives. You had to be amoral because you were all part of the research. So um, uh, anyway, a lot of that was photographed and um, was filmed as well as the raping of children. This was all data that was brought together. But in his book, he actually uh, has a table. It's table 34 on page 180, and it documents how many orgasms do children have in a certain period of time. And this is probably the most uh, disturbing part that I would have to share with you. And uh, he, um, the youngest child in the chart is five months old. Um, and it went up to, I believe, 14 years of age. And one poor child is four years old. And he claimed that this child had 26 um, orgasms in 24-hour period of time. So if you wrap your head around that, that means that a child was raped for 24 hours straight. So how does he know that a baby or a four-year-old um, or um, a preteen is having an orgasm? And he, and this is in his book, sobbing sometimes with an abundance of tears, especially among younger children, afflicted with extreme trembling, collapse, and sometimes fainting. Kinsey wrote that children enjoy the experience, although many fight away the partner. Notice the changing of the word there, not the perpetrator, but the partner, because children, infants should have sex with adults. Should, this should be legal. There should be no problem with this. 
So based on the authority of what Alfred Kinsey said was scientifically verified truth about normal human sexuality, America's profession of law, medicine, education, military, and even the church shifted America's founding standard on life and human sexuality. Um, he went. A, a, he was also a global speaker, so he spoke to government leaders all over the world uh, during his time of of publishing his his amazing findings, as the the media put out there. And in 2013, the UN actually declared that the Kinsey Institute was a legitimate resource to be used in the area of sexuality for all nations. So, and you know that, of course, the UN is pushing for the sexual rights of the child this is where this this is why they are saying that it's based on kinsey's science so let me talk to you just briefly about the change in law because what happened in our country happened in your country as well um, there are only two standards of law in America. There's pre-Kinsey and there's post-Kinsey. Uh, Pre-Kinsey, we had the common law, which was based on the Bible. We were one nation under God. Uh, marriage was defined as a husband and a wife. And then if God blessed you with children, that was the American family. We had the sanctity of marriage. We had fidelity, purity, monogamy childhood modesty, we had premarital chastity, and sexual violations were punished. If you raped a woman or a child, uh, you, the, you were either put in prison and the key was thrown away or you were put to death. So those were pretty strong deterrents. Um, and it was interesting because back then, self-government was actually possible with the American people, um, and that led to liberty. Now, Post-Kinsey, we have the degenerative standard. The American Law Institute uh, drafted the model penal code, uh, which became sanctioned under Kinsey's science. We became one nation under government. We now have various human groupings. We have various genders and sexual orientations. We have open marriage, no-fault divorce, adultery, and free love. Uh, sex uh, laws uh, are now eliminated or weakened. Um, now, if someone rapes a child, they're therapeutically managed and put back out on the street. We have apps that you can go on to find out if there's a conv convicted pedophile who lives in your neighborhood. And I'll tell you, almost every American who, no matter where you're living, when you go into that app, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. So um, sex laws, again, were eliminated. Um, and all, if we look historically, all nations who leave God's moral authority eventually are going to um, implode. So the Kinsey reports were used state by state. This is how they did it. Uh, they drafted the model, the number four draft of the American Law Institute's model penal code was issued in America in 1955. Of 197 footnotes of the model penal code, Kinsey is the sole authority on normal human sexual behavior in the sex offense section. Uh, Illinois was the first state to adopt the model penal code in 1957, and then it was a domino effect. It went state by state by state. Uh, here in Texas, we adopted it in 1973. So every state was captured by Kinsey's science one by one. 
So, for example, uh, pre-Kinsey, uh, men were responsible for their sexual actions. Under the common law, the principle of man, he was a protector. He was primarily responsible for his sexual actions. Unmarried sex with any woman was viewed as unprincipled. The only lawful sexual contact in the state penal code was the marital act. Uh, no other activity was legal. So after 1950, this is uh, the Vanderbilt Law Review, which again, all these law reviews affected the lawmakers who then changed the law. So this is the rationale of why we have pedophiles on the street. Um, this is what they said. The, the sometimes extreme seductiveness of a young female is a factor which has no place in the law, but it certainly affects motivation. Even at the age of four or five, this seductiveness may be so powerful as to overwhelm the adult into committing the offense. The affair is therefore not only the, always the result of the adult's aggression, often the young female is the initiator and the seducer. So this is why pedophiles are out on the streets, because it's not their fault. It's the four-year-old little girl who seduced the adult man into, his, um, into what he did. So the fault is now on the person who's been raped or the child who's been raped and not on the rapist. So let me talk about the birth of sex education, because again, pre-Kinsey, we did not have sex education. Uh, Post-Kinsey, we do. Um, if you look at the secular theorists in the first half of the 20th century, so I'm talking about Piaget, Rogers, Maslow, Skinner, none of them ever identified sex knowledge as a primary childhood need. Uh, there was uh, learning to reason, submitting to authority, moral thinking, task achievement, self-actualization, mutual cooperation, and social interaction. Never did we think about giving graphic sex information to children before. So in America, there was a setup um, that happened. There were two critical Supreme Court cases that happened before sex ed could be officially put in the schools. We had in 1962, the removal of prayer from the public schools. And then in 1963, that was followed up with removal of Bible reading. Whenever the Supreme Court makes a decision, they base it on previous authorities. For example, uh, it, the Supreme Court has ruled four times in the history of America that we are a Christian nation, and they've gone back to the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, the state constitutions, and that's where they, um, those were the authorities they used to make that ruling. When they took prayer out of the public school, they cited to no authority. It was just the men on the court that decided God needed to come out of the schools. And then the next year, they cited to one authority, which was the Supreme Court case the year before. So it's by no accident that in 1964, sex education officially was put in. So you take God out, you put sex in for the children. SECUS uh, was the official um, organization that is used, and that's not just here in America. That is internationally. SECUS is the clearinghouse where, uh, and you can actually look on their website. If you Google SECUS, they're now for social change. Uh, it's not just sex education. It's for social change. SECUS uh, was launched at the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University in 1964. The 
The objective was to teach a humanist ideology as sex education. Every contributor to SECUS has ties to humanism, communism, and eugenics. Uh, and a lot of them um, are connected to the Temple of Understanding, which is at the UN. Uh, there's actually an altar to Satan. Uh, and the Temple of Understanding has the Lucifer magazine. I, I don't know how much more obvious evil <laughs> uh, you got there, but that's pretty bad. Uh, the first leader, uh, one of them was Dr. Mary Calderon, who happened to have been the past medical director of Planned Parenthood. Uh, the initial seed money for SICUS came from the pornography industry. Hugh Hefner actually gave initial seed money for SICUS to start up. Many of those who went into the schools and into um, the districts uh, to convince the schools that they needed to bring sex ed in were actually employed by the pornography industry. Uh, Penthouse Forum was one of the uh, biggest contributors to that. Uh, the technique that was employed to desensitize children because children are morally innocent. They don't gravitate. They usually are going, ooh, yuck, with sex knowledge. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to be near it because they want to protect their moral innocence. So uh, the technique used to desensitize them is called SAR or sexual attitude restructuring. So if we take them to the act, to the genitals, to the various groupings, the various orientations, you are sexualizing them. Um, and whereas before it used to be that we just, uh, again, we use the flowers, the birds and the bees. Um, it was uh, God's uh, life process. Um, we talked about generations. We did not talk to our children graphically about sex. So there was this whole shift. Uh, in 1967, they said, okay, all the schools, all the teachers, all the school nurses um, need to be on the same page. So they started up an organization uh, that is called ASEC, and it was created to help all professionals. It's the training I had to go through in order to teach sex education. And the job of this organization is to provide sex information to the sex educator, to train him or her in the psychotherapy technique necessary. So this is about rewiring kids' brains, and they know how to do it, um, to, commit, uh, to communicate this knowledge to others and restructure his or her values so to equip him or her to expand their students' tolerance and acceptance of various sexual practices and lifestyles. So as we see the explosion of the LGBT and our younger kids, and we're wondering where is this coming from? It wasn't here two generations ago. This is exactly what has been happening. So one of the people who actually exposed this back in 1977 was Claire Chambers. Uh, there she is today. She's 90 years old. She does not look 90. Um, and she is holding a copy of her book, which is called The Seekest Circle. I would encourage you to go on Rumble, take a picture of uh, the picture on the right, uh, because she and I were on an interview with Seth Chambers, uh, Seth Gruber. He has a podcast called Unaborted, and it's... It is about how the UN um, and how the timbers of how do you shift a nation toward communism, toward one world order, how do you destroy morality um, is in there. And you will notice uh, one of the people that Kinsey interviewed, because you see Hitler in this picture, uh, one of his, the pedophiles that he interviewed um, was 
Franz Baljusek, who was a Nazi over in Poland, and he would rape children, uh, Polish children, in the death camps. Um, you know, they had the choice of going to the gas chamber or this is Kinsey's data. This is the foundation of sex education. Again, I cannot stress more how evil uh, the foundation is. So here is what she found. Here are all the organizations in SICA. So you have every institution. You have the sex publishers. Uh, if you look at Family Life uh, publications, uh, Playboy has their own, Beacon uh, Press, McGraw-Hill, which does a lot of our uh, textbooks here. Um, and then you have the key players here. Uh, including Mary Calderon, Margaret Sanger, Kinsey, uh, and Hugh Hefner. You have the religious institutions. I say, uh, you know, I'm Lutheran. So the Lutheran sex ed program, I did extensive research and found Kinsey and Hefner and uh, Planned Parenthood. But this isn't just the Lutheran church. This is in all denominations. If you're wondering why isn't the church joining in the fight to, to um, help fight uh, the sexualization of children is because they've all been infiltrated. Um, then you have the education arms and you have the UN's education arm, UNESCO. You have the World Health Organization. You have the Ford Foundation. Uh, you have the Bill Gates. You have the uh, George Soros. So all of these organizations are working together uh, and are a part of or affiliated with, uh, they're part of the bigger picture, which is the, the, the Sika circle, which uh, Claire Chambers does a great job of exposing all of that in 1977. And we laughed because before when 1977, when she tried to bring this out, nobody wanted to hear this. And she said, I was just ahead of my time because suddenly now everyone wants to hear this information. So uh, praise God that he said, I've been praying for years, take the blinders away from your people's eyes and soften their hearts to hear the truth because this is tough truth. Here's a curricula that is popular for the school nurses, for the educators. It's called Unequal Partners. Do you notice the picture there? This is an adult man with a boy hugging uh, the adult man. And this is to help the uh, professionals in the school to help educate young people. And they define it as 10 to 17 years old to make healthy decisions about relationships, especially those involving the power and balance that occur when there are significant age differences. Here in America, uh, we are dealing with school boards that are coming in with new curricula that wants to teach children about consent helping them decide when should they uh, consent. And it's not off the table to consent to having sex with adults when you're a 10-year-old child. There's a push to legalize that and to eventually just eliminate the age limit for sex outside of marriage. Okay. This is a, a book I came across that was written by a woman in 1972. So remember, 1964, sex ed is officially launched at the Kinsey Institute. By 1972 in America, she was already noticing a big 
problem. So uh, she was an investigative reporter, but she was a stay-at-home mom at that time. So she wrote a book called The Raping of Our Children. And in the book, she said, um, if you're just the least bit upset about what sex ed has produced so far, think what sex education will be like in the next 10 or 20 years with the churches rapidly embracing the new sexual mores. I suppose if enough religious leaders throw out the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and their own convictions, the prophecy in one of the sex ed movies will doubtless materialize and the children will get the message. So this is what they were telling the children in the late 60s, early 70s. By the year 2000, there will be no more organized religion. And she said, I hope by now you're asking yourself why such a comment on religion appears in a sex ed movie. I'll leave you to puzzle that one out for yourself. The same movie, incidentally, which is part of the Time of Your Life series, also tells children that fathers will no longer have any authority in the home. What is the biggest stumbling block to a communism and a one world order? The church and the traditional family. So this is at the heart of why we have to sexualize the kids. This is to destroy the family and destroy the church. So here is national statistics in America. So you can see 63, 60, uh, 62, 63, we took God out. We put sex education in and look what happened to the American family. It fell apart. We have single parent households exploding after sex ed was put in the schools. Um, this is uh, articles that are coming out that are talking about the rapid decline. Uh, churches are closing. Christian churches are closing left and right in America. And we actually have the rise of satanic temples and worship. Uh, I am seeing more and more in our stores uh, tarot cards, uh, a witchcraft, uh, books on witchcraft. I actually saw a car uh, the, uh, last week that said this car is covered by witchcraft. Um, so it's becoming much more prominent. So in this uh, article, it says the religious landscape of the United States can, is continuing to decline at a rapid clip. Uh, so if we are going down quickly in terms of the amount of Christian churches while we have the rise of Satanism, which doesn't look like it used to look. Uh, the Satan temples now focus on activism, religious pluralism, and social diversity. Uh, at our school board meetings, when we are arguing, or if we're in our Capitol buildings in our state, uh, we are now have Satanists who are showing up to fight us uh, when we are trying to fight for the um, protecting our children. They're fighting to sexualize our children. So this is a statement from an author that was talking about things that happened in World War II, but it's a great comment. It says, when someone in public life can persuade enough people to act on the assumption that his interpretation is valid, he can so influence the character of the future as to make it consistent with his predictions. So remember that Kinsey said children are sexual from birth. He used this to, um, this science was used to change how we view children. So based on the data get, gathered by a man who interviewed pedophiles who raped hundreds, if not thousands of children, this has now changed how our educators view children, how parents, how medical personnel, our uh, government officials, and even our church, how they view children. So I always say we were born, uh, you know, I was born in the 60s. So uh, we were born in the middle of the sexual revolution. So we know no different. So let's go back and look at national statistics. What has happened since we did sexual attitude restructuring with our children? 
This is gonorrhea ages 10 to 14. Again, there's 62, 63, 64, and look at it explodes. We have uh, birth rates to children under the age of 15. Again, uh, you're gonna see this across the board. Uh, and then when you factor in when abortion becomes legal, uh, factoring that in as well. Uh, then we have birth rates for 15 to 19 year olds. Again, it's, it's this hockey stick rise uh, in pregnancy and STD rates uh, for our children. So let me just briefly um, end it with talking about the culture. Um, Hugh Hefner was actually one of Kinsey's disciples. Uh, while Kinsey was going to the government leaders all over the world, the academic elite, uh, Hugh Hefner was taking pornography to the college student, persuading them uh, to actually um, abandon love and protection for sex and rec recreation. Uh, men then became playboys and women actually became playgirls. And if you look at the theme throughout pornography, it is that women enjoy rape, they want the rape, and it's not harmful. So again, our young men, it's created a public health crisis. I even saw that as a public health nurse. We saw an explosion of date rape in the 1990s, and that was due to the fact that our uh, President Clinton at the time had taken restrictions off the porn industry. And so we were seeing the direct impact on society as sexually transmitted disease nurses, uh, because victims do not always go to the police, but they're definitely going to go get tested. Uh, so another disciple of Kinsey was Harry Hay. He was a communist. Like Hefner, he read the first Kinsey report. It supported his lifestyle, his value, his conduct. So declaring he was homosexual, he left his wife and two children, and he started up the Mattachine Society, which became the precursor to the modern gay rights movement that we have today. And you can see a young Harry Hay at the top there in the corner. And then on the bottom, before he passed away, he was marching for NAMBLA, which is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. They are pushing for the legalization of sex between adult men and boys. Uh, and in the state of California, they have now legalized sodomy uh, as young as 13 years old is not against the law. So uh, an adult man can sodomize a 13-year-old boy and uh, it or girl, and it's not uh, against the law. So then we have Dr. John Money, which a lot is coming out on the uh, transgender movement. Dr. John Money is the one behind that. So he relied on Kinsey's data. Uh, he was on the board of Penthouse Forum. Remember I said they're the people who went into the school boards and into the schools to convince sex ed to be put in. He is frequently was quoted in the Journal of Pedophilia. He saw no problems with having uh, adults having sex with children uh, in his experiment that he did where uh, it was a botched um, um, uh, circ uh, circumcision on one boy. They were twin boys, and he convinced the parents to um, uh, say, hey, if you want to go ahead and make him a girl, it's not going to be a problem. And those two boys eventually uh, committed suicide, but they were, uh, they were part of pornography films. It was awful. So this is a very evil man who was a follower of Kinsey. Um, 
This is, I basically um, have narrowed this down to, um, my organization's called the Matthew 18. It's based on Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother's sinning, uh, you go and directly to him. If that doesn't work, you go to someone else. If that doesn't work, you take it to the church. What if the entire church has been an error? Um, so there's three areas where the Christian church has adopted Kinsey science. The first is that they forgot that God values the moral innocence of children. So Christian sex education is an oxymoron because sex education came from Kinsey, who was more demonic than Christian. Um, and if we look to scripture, God models a tremendous amount of modesty and it's about biblical purity. Um, the second thing is that God values all life. Uh, all churches were against birth control. It wasn't just the Catholic church. It wasn't until Margaret Sanger and Kinsey came along that all the rest of the churches went, wait a minute, it's okay for uh, um, uh, us in marriage to use birth control. So that's a whole nother venue you can talk about, but that's fascinating um, on how we shifted on that. Uh, children used to be looked at as a blessing and were welcomed. Um, and then thirdly, God desires a marriage bed to be pure and undefiled. It's not homosexuality, but rather the act of sodomy. And if you look at a majority of Christian books on marital intimacy, they endorse sodomy in the Christian marriage bed. So basically, we lost the Supreme Court case of Lawrence versus Texas, which legalized sodomy in America because we said, you gay people, you can't commit sodomy, but us Christian couples in marriage can, can engage in sodomy. And that's why we lost that case. So those are some interesting things that, again, you can look into the research um, and find that. So this is just an example of uh, the Christian church in 1961. The Lutheran church had a book called Sex and the Church. So they were introducing the idea of setting up for this Christian sex ed program. And they actually acknowledge Kinsey and say that he has accurate information and that it is reliable. So again, the, the church was deceived in this area. Um, this is a movie, it's a documentary called Agenda Grinding Down America. The question is, we have two primary parties in America, the Democrat and the Republican. His question was, why does it seem the Republicans are moving to the middle? The Democrats are moving toward communism. And uh, he found uh, that there was a deliberate plan. And again, everybody is in this together. It's not a lot of people at the top, but it was key people in key places. So uh, Joseph Stalin and Russia said America's like a healthy body. Its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. And that's true of every country. If then that's exactly where we're being attacked. So uh, in the, the quote in the movie, it says it ain't over until the fat lady sings. And right now she's clearing her pipes. <laughs> so very true. <laughs> Um, it, then I love what uh, one of uh, the second president of the United States said, no matter how heedless and sensate, materialistic, selfish, greedy a society may be, if there can be found in it a few clear and powerful voices that speak out unafraid against its corruption, the spirit and the hope of reform can persist. That's you, Tanya, and your organization. You are speaking out unafraid. And so uh, let's talk about, I always say, 
God would save Sodom for 10. I know at least 10 righteous people in America, so we're still good. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the solution real quick, which is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, not the people over there who don't know me, my people who are called by na my name shall humble themselves. So the question is, are we teachable? Do we have open hearts? Are we willing to receive the truth? Um, you know, it says in scripture, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. It's critical that we know this information. So here are a few websites, and I know you're going to record this so you can go back and look at these, but these are some websites, and Tanya, you already referenced to the protection Child Health, the Family Watch organizations, uh, which I am a part of as well. Um, I And then the second part of that is, is so uh, if uh, my people hum themselves and pray, that's the, the, the next part. So my prayer became, because I started my ministry 30 years ago trying to wake up the church. And because the church is so corrupt, I had a lot of slam doors in my face. So I finally went, Lord, I don't have time for this anymore. Just get me to the remnant. And I have been bowled over um, with where I've been taken. I had a friend call me and say, hey, Audrey, can you come down to Austin, Texas and do a legislative briefing? And I'm like, the remnants in our government? Are you kidding? me. And so I went down there and did a legislative briefing. And then I met a pastor from Uganda and he invited me to come to his country, to his village, to uh, teach the course that I teach through my university. Uh, I do a one day seminar for church leaders. And so he wanted me to come to his village. It turned out to be the village where the AIDS epidemic began. And my course is called Restoring Biblical Purity in the Church. And I thought, isn't it like God to have you teach that course in the, in the um, uh, community where the AIDS epidemic began? But once I got off the plane, I had a full speaking tour. And the very last day, the very last hours that I was in Uganda, I spoke before Uganda Parliament. And I actually shared this information with the parliament members, and it halted sex ed from going into their country's schools. So I'd like to say God, <laughs> a mama with the help of Almighty God, went up against the UN, Planned Parenthood International, and UNICEF, and halted sex ed from going into a nation's school. So if he can do that with one mama in, in Uganda, what can he do with 10 mamas in Canada? <laughs> or dads, or grandmas, or grandpas. <laughs> so uh, the next thing God asks is that we seek his face. I have been in God's word on a daily basis because there's no way I could have planned any of what I'm doing. I'm speaking before Canada right now. I didn't plan that, but God did. And I started out with saying, God, I'm just a mom. Who's going to listen to me? And um, I love what Edmund Burke said, though. Evil will flourish if a good man does nothing. And so for the sake of my children, for the sake of my grandchildren, I cannot stay silent. And in Nehemiah, he reminds us, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. So um, I went back to Uganda um, six months later and spoke again. And this time I was in it with a meeting with all of the government officials at the top level. And the minister of education happens to be the president, the first lady of Uganda. 
And so her secretary was in the audience where I was speaking to 500 parents. And she passed this note up to the front. And she said, basically what she's saying is not only are they not teaching sex ed in Uganda, they're pulling out of a UN agreement they were in with 23 other countries. So again, God used a mama <laughs> to spread the message. And um, so my message spread not just in Uganda, it went to Southeast Africa. So um, uh, it's been amazing where God has taken this. So um, another thing that God put on my heart is, okay, if our laws were founded on God's word, then let's get back to that. And if we are praying for rain, we better have on our galoshes because this is not David versus Goliath. This is Goliath versus God. So if God is going to put Goliath in his place, we better prepare our government leaders. We better prepare our pastors to restore God's law in America. So we've started uh, doing this and we did it in the first state is Indiana because that's where the sexual revolution began. You can go to my website and you can watch our first conference. Our goal is to have this in all 50 states. We're going state by state to educate pastors, our government leaders, and the people, we the people. And so uh, this conference is available. You can see every speaker uh, that's on my website. So when you see the RSVP America, click on that icon and you will actually see that from my website. And then the other thing was, uh, remember I said that um, uh, Texas threw out God's law in 1973 and brought in this man-made law. Well, we actually found out the day that they did it and we were coming up on the 50 year anniversary and we found out the room they did it in. So in the Texas Capitol room, that's me standing in the old Supreme Court room. And uh, that is also on my website. And I spoke and then my friend who uh, was good friends with Tim Ballard of Sound of Freedom. He also is fighting child sex trafficking. Yako Boyan spoke and then Pastor Brandon who is sitting there in front of me there on the chair uh, spoke. And then we prayed over that courtroom and we declared that God is restoring his law here in America. He is starting it in that room. It is going to spread across the country. There were people in there blowing shofar. <laughs> there were, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So um, God is moving right now in Texas in amazing ways. And he's exposing the evil because we got to know where the evil is. He's exposing it and he's restoring. So that's amazing. And then God said to turn from our wicked ways. So I acknowledge, as I said, we were the first generation to have gone through sex education. This means we were the first to be brainwashed and to have been trained to have sexual identities ahead of our identity in Jesus Christ. So the problem is that so many parents come up to me and say, how can I possibly teach purity to my child because I messed up in that area? And I re remind them that we have to, looking at our own life, we have to repent. So God, we have a loving savior who died on the cross for our sins. So we need to repent. Uh, God gives us forgiveness and he restores so that we can then in turn help our children to grow up with uh, God's standards. So we need to leave it at the cross. Don't take it back because Satan wants to beat you over the head with it. So leave it at the cross. And remember, don't become overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Um, get involved in your community and your government. Tanya and her organization is a wonderful way to do that. Uh, here, um, somebody took a table 34. I took it to a printer. I took the book, Kinsey's book, and I said, could you blow this up for me? So I've got this huge poster size. And the printer looked at the, the what was on the table, table 34, and she was horrified. And she thought I was some sexual kook. And I said, no, no, let me explain what I'm using this for. And she blew it up. And um, I've had parents do that and take it to their legislators, take it to the school boards and say, this is the foundation of the program. And uh, it's actually halted sex ed from going in. Uh, we've worked on bills here in America that this is the first, uh, we actually had the first bill to get sex ed out of the schools to because right now it's legal to show obscenity to children, but only in schools and libraries because it's for educational purposes. Um, this message has now gone global. I've been in two movies. The first is Mind Polluters, which is in 145 countries. If you've not seen that, uh, uh, you can go to our, my website can take you to that. Um, you can get that on DVD or watch it online. And then the other one, my friend Jacoboyans uh, from Jacoboyans Ministries did Sex Nation, which exposes more of what's going on with the child sex trafficking. Um, and then this is my last slide. <laughs> so here is my contact information. Um, there is a picture of the book I wrote. Uh, this is for parents. The first hundred pages of the book is the history of what's been going on uh, it, historically uh, with the sexual revolution over the last hundred years. And then uh, the second half of the book is biblical principles on how to raise pure kids. So you can contact me at my email address. Uh, go to my website. That is where the book is available. And uh, that is it, Tanya. So I'm going to send it back to you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, there you are. Oh, Audrey, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, like I say, I was looking so forward to you coming on the show and presenting because the history of this is, is so cringeworthy. It's beyond that, mm -hmm. the depths of evil. Yeah. And uh, yes. there was months ago back in June, one of our strategies, I had written a letter and it was exposing who is behind the pride flag and the trans flag. Yes. And just yes. absolutely. So you're, you're, you know, these uh, elected officials are putting them up the flagpole and, you know, uh, doubling yep. down on their support for the LGBTQ, right. but they have no, no idea what they're supporting. And, yep. uh, you know, as I was right. looking at your information about sexual health, I was just blown away. I'd never looked at it from that angle, yeah. nor did I know yeah. that uh, Kinsey and Stringer and the rest of them were behind this. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful demonic pillars to the sexual revolution. And, uh, you know, this is I, I there's only two sides here. <laughs> there's God's side and there's Satan's side. And uh, we've got to get back to God. We as nations have to get back to God. And I, I, I hate to say it. I mean, and, and God bless the pastor who, you know, and I'm sure he's in the minority. I'm sure not a majority of your pastors, because I know a majority of our pastors would not take that stand. We saw during COVID that many of them just bowed to the government and, you know, complied. But we had some brave pastors who did take the stand and say, no, we're not doing that. Uh, we're keeping church open. If the abortion clinics and uh, the casinos get to stay open, then yes, 
God's God's an essential, <laughs> you know, church is essential. So um, it's going to take the parents of the world to to push back on this. And we are the first and last line of defense for our children. So it's really important that we get in this fight because their future is very bleak without us taking the stand. And trust me, I do, you know, I didn't plan any of this. I just go, okay, Lord, where's the next door? And, you know, Canada, I was, I was speaking to Columbia a, few, a couple months ago. So, I mean, God opens these doors and I said, God, get me to the remnant. And everybody who's on this call, you, you are the remnant. You are the remnant. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being on the call and for hearing this presentation. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey. I, I, as I'm listening to you and your experience and uh, how the Lord has called you up to this, I feel like you could, in, in some sense, be one, be a twin. <laughs> you know, because our <laughs> stories, you know, are simple, simple, uh, yes. similar. We were just kind of minding our own business, you know, raising our yes. kids, working and doing the rest yes. of it. And then, you know, we had this, I want to call our own awakening. Mine was about eight years ago when I got involved. And, uh, you know, it was just this unfolding of information where I couldn't mm -hmm. believe what a mess our country was in. But I, I felt like I really had uh, this epiphany and this image in my mind of where we were going. And that's why I got into this fight eight years ago yes. and uh, just, you know, with no platform whatsoever. And Trenzio, could we just bring our map up again? I think it would be a good time to uh, show Action for Canada here. Just for our viewers, this is Action for Canada in the works. We're in every single province uh, in, in this nation. And every single one of those maple leaves represents a chapter who is working um, together, like we're like a, a machine that is just moving across this nation. Anyways, we're working together as a machine, a unified body. So every time we implement an action, all of our chapter leaders and our members implement that into their own communities. And the foundation of Action for Canada is also like you. We believe that uh, it's not that we just believe, it's a fact that uh, Canada is a Christian nation and that we need to return mm -hmm. to those uh, roots. And for the yeah unbelievers, atheists, agnostics, I just remind them that the system of governance that Canada was built on is what gives them their freedom. Liberty. And if you yep, don't that's like... That's exactly right. Yeah. And if they that's don't exactly like right. what Justin Trudeau is doing, right? If they don't like communism and globalism, then they need to pick a side. They need to make a choice. Yeah. And uh, anyways, yeah. as I say, we're going to continue to expose you know, the evil on all fronts and provide ways to move forward and undo this. And um, I see in the United States and around the world with all of the amazing parents coming up and stepping up and going to school board meetings, they are a sinking yes. ship. It's official. This is over. Now it's just a matter yeah. of us wrapping this up and getting them out because nobody is yeah. going to tolerate them treating our That's children right. this way and weaponizing the school system and thinking that they can remove parental rights. Mm hmm. Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I love how you promote the homeschool. I um, ended up homeschooling um, all of our children. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no hope for the right now for the school system. Um, you know, it was meant uh, and actually the movie that I was in, The Mind Polluters, we actually show in that movie how the schools, the, uh, the government schools have figured out how to rewire kids' brains to hate God, hate America, and to embrace this sexual perversion. So they even are admitting in their curricula and in their trainings, this is what they're doing. 
They're rewiring. They know how to rewire our kids' brains. So why would you subject, subject your children to that? Yeah. This 100%. is a salvation issue. You know, do we want our children in heaven or hell one day? Um, and uh, they want to lead them straight to hell. So, yeah. Well, and, and one of the ways as well is, uh, you know, that they've, uh, well, they've done a good job of it in trying to take over these nations is that I always say, if you repeat, repeat a lie often enough, you know, somebody's going to believe it. And then that next generation uh -huh. believes that lie until somebody starts shouting the truth louder than the lie. Uh -huh. And they start bringing uh -huh. the facts forward. And one of those lies is that we're secular nations and uh, secularism, you know, and, and a multicultural nation. And those are actually two lies. We are 100%, as I said at the beginning of the show in my weekly update, uh, e even recently, the King Charles signed the coronation oath, which is mm -hmm. to That's govern Canada and the monarch yeah. through biblical Christian Protestant uh, um, faith and upholding the word of God. And, yeah. uh, you know, as, like I say, as I mentioned at the onset in the weekly update, is that uh, we're talking about sodomy en masse. We're talking about celebrating sexual deviancy throughout society. And, but the um, psychological manipulation of warfare that we've been through for decades was to normalize this. And that as we as Christians, if we didn't accept this and tolerate it, well, we're hateful and that we're to love everyone. Well, I'm sorry, but I remember James Dobson writing a book and saying that love must be tough. And it was about mm -hmm. raising children. And uh, mm -hmm. you know those children where the parents were not disciplining their child at home in a loving way and, um, and providing um, appropriate boundaries because they were the ones mm -hmm. screaming at the grocery store. And, and so there is discipline. God loves us enough to discipline us. And mm -hmm. he's given a set of laws and rules for us to follow so that we don't have what you had said was chaos. You take God mm -hmm. out of the system and then you're mm -hmm. in, you're introducing a chaos. The government comes in for the solution of the chaos. And it's always going to be about uh, a man control, man-made laws. And this is where mm -hmm. we're at today. And it's a mess. Yeah. 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 And this was a plan. This was a plan. But praise God, you know, when you shine light on the darkness, you know, it has to flee. So we're trying to get the message out and God is opening doors in amazing ways to get this message out there. So uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> that's incredible. I'm just going to see that one person has asked a question. Oh, I see a couple of more just trying to get a hold of them. Uh, somebody has asked, I don't know if you actually know about, about the uh, colors of the pride flag. Do you have any insight into that? <sighs> Um, yes. Um, uh, well, a little bit. I mean, I've heard uh, through speakers who are very knowledgeable on it. Um, and again, everything demonic is twisted. Um, just, uh, you know, Satan has taken everything. My, my husband uh, worked in the church for several years and um, had a, a woman come to the church um, to get food because her house had burnt down. Um, turned out she was part of a demonic cult. And, um, you know, she said, oh, your cross is upside down. And, you know, like when she went, my husband was able to, eventually she came into uh, the place of worship to a church service. And uh, she was very nervous because, you know, they, they hit each other. They slap each other during, you know, whereas we're praising God and worshiping, you know, they're, they're raping each other and hitting each other during their services. And so everything was the opposite. Like God created man and woman in his image. He created them. 
and now the whole transgender thing is said, no, no, you can flip that around. You can. And so everything's been the opposite. So um, the colors of the rainbow, you know, God had, uh, you know, given us the rainbow and look at how they've used that to be uh, the beginnings of there. So, um, you know, as we see this and again, the association of if there are no limits, if there are no boundaries, if 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 uh, we are sexual beings from birth, then uh, pedophilia is okay. And one of the things that we noted in looking in pornography was that even when pornography was started up by Hugh Hefner in the 1950s, some of those cartoons actually dealt with adult men and children. Uh, 25% of pornography promoted pedophilia. Uh, when you look at the publications, and again, I love all people. God loves all people. I mean, I used to have to tell gay men that they were HIV positive. I made sure that I hugged them before they left because I wanted them to know they are still touchable. This is, you know, that they still need to be loved and, and, and you know, um, there's hope. And so um, uh, with this, uh, if you look at the Advocate magazine, for example, which is one of the leading publications for the LGBT, um, you will notice that that a pedophilia is promoted heavily. So, again, we have to look at, um, uh, you know, this overall and, and just the sexual deviancy. There is no limits. Uh, so if we embrace all of that, then we're embracing, again, the sexualization of children, which um, if you look at sex education is really meant, it's the same as grooming, what groomers do. Uh, when they're grooming children for sex, they are uh, grooming them, um, uh, you know, using pictures, using words, uh, using well, pornography. And that's exactly what sex ed is doing. Well, that and all of these vile books that are in the school, uh, the yes. RCMP here, yes. which is our top federal police, have deemed after uh, I had uh, several meetings with them that these books are not considered pornographic. And 100 uh, percent, hands down, uh, I talked to two top psychologists, one of them being John Euler from the United States, who pro profiles sexual offenders and works with them, over 4,000 of the worst sexual offenders. And I sent him the books. Well, he'd seen them already. And he says 100 percent, these are pornographic books. And they mm -hmm. have these in the schools so that uh, children will get their hands on them because it breaks down their natural defenses. It creates yes. a spirit of shame in them. And shame is not from yes. God, shame's from the enemy. And then yes. when you have people who are walking in shame, they, they're more controllable. And so there's so yes. many reasons behind this agenda. And, and for the person mm -hmm. who had asked about the flags, uh, we have, um, like I said, back in June, I had launched the ban non-government and special interest group flags, which Sheila will put in the chat and will be in the description. And it was to give elected officials an eye opener. And Gilbert Baker created the pride flag. And he said, that's what flags are for. Flags are about proclaiming power. That visibility is key to our success and to our justice. And that's why mm -hmm. they're proclaim proclaiming power over our cities over our schools, over our streets. And yes. we in Canada have a Supreme Court ruling on the duty of state neutrality, which means that by 
that there there's a duty of straight state neutrality, which means and pride is political. Make no mistake about it. Yes. And and so mm-hmm. especially for that reason, you know, our elected officials not should not be promoting something political. But the the bottom line is is that it has infiltrated to society at such a, a level. And with the duty of state neutrality, that means all public spaces must be neutral. Otherwise, those elected uh, officials are shows showing favor to this minority group. And mm-hmm. so we launched the ban non governmental flags right now. Currently, we're asking mm-hmm. parents to uh, deliver them and. Uh, to their principal and to their teachers, because schools should be cleared of all of this trans and LGBTQ propaganda. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. just on the other side of it, the individual that uh, created the trans flag was an incredible sexual deviant. And uh, if they go into the report, they can find the history of it, because I think it's very important. And you need to challenge your elected officials to say, I want it in writing, that you've read this and to tell me how mm-hmm. you could possibly support individuals like this uh, when it's rooted in such uh, deviancy, when it's obviously pedophiles behind it, why are we supporting this? And get it in writing mm-hmm. from them. Record a conversation with these elected officials because they are going to be held accountable once this all starts falling apart. I really believe right. that many of these right. deviants are going to be, whether charged with pedophilia, uh, but there's consequences that are coming. I really see this whole thing. It's a it's a sink and ship. Yeah, and I, you know, one thing I would encourage you too, um, in the state of Indiana, uh, Indiana University, they still have the Kinsey Institute there, and for the first time in seventy years, we had a freshman um, uh, legislator, state legislator in Indiana, who added uh, an amendment to their um, to their budget. And they defunded the Kinsey Institute. And it was funny because a lot of them, you know, because, again, it's huge. It's going up against Goliath because you've got the drug companies, you've got the pornographers, the pedophiles, the sex traffickers. You've got all these people who do not want it denounced, the U.N. And so now it has been denounced and it is now defunded. And um, so they can no longer, not one cent of the taxpayer in Indiana can go to the Kinsey Institute. So uh, God is, is, again, taking down giants and he's using just a few to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Audrey, it's amazing. And I just want our viewers to remember that um, I've been reporting that in the United States, 26 states have been successful in passing legislation against Mm -hmm. the sexualizing of our children, against the medical mutilation of our children, and uh, even against critical race theory. So like I said, things are coming undone. And then, you know, we're looking in awe at the United States thinking we don't have lawyers who are us out. And so Action for Canada has been serving those notices of liability to school board trustees, to ministers Mm -hmm. of education, to premiers since June of 2022. And it's been activating and growing. We've been going to school board meetings. We've been having private meetings with MPPs and individuals on our side. And then all of a sudden in New Brunswick, several months ago, they decide to support parental rights. And now as a result, 
uh, Toronto, Ontario, uh, sorry, Ontario, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. But a huge campaign we had was against Saskatchewan because we found out in April that they were going to bring the Soji One Two Three resource and implement it starting September first, mm-hmm. September. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was done under the radar, but our team found out about it, and we sent uh, the notices, copious amounts of information, evidence that this is causing harm, mm-hmm. that they had a duty to uh, review the harms in BC, Alberta and Ontario, and that there was measurable harms. And as a result, they ended up, uh, we were also calling to have Planned Parenthood banned and defunded in uh, Mm -hmm. Saskatchewan as well. And they did, they have banned Mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood, they banned all third parties, and they banned Soji123. And this is a beginning, it's not finished, there's still a lot of work to be done, because there Mm -hmm. are, people need to understand that this has been going on for decades. The LGBTQ have been lobbying the local governments and the provincial governments in order to get this in. And the evidence of that is in Saskatchewan, as an example, there has been an LGBTQ organization um, in a news article that has been uh, lobbying and working with the government for 10 years. And so as a result, even though SOGI hadn't come in, these government-funded and non-government are also funded LGBTQ groups have been been given hundreds of millions of Canadian tax dollars to fund and support mm-hmm. this as they've been going into our schools behind our backs and without parents' knowledge. And yes. uh, yeah, so it's, it's just shocking to see what they've been doing. But anyways, down in the States, I'm sure millions of dollars have been you know, paid to lawyers and get before the legislatures. And God is working a miracle here in Canada where we haven't even had to step into a court regarding this yet but in in um starting back in the spring from passover to pentecost action for canada across the nation with all of our chapters and our members we had a prayer walk for revival and we targeted mm-hmm. school boards municipalities mm-hmm. uh elected yep. officials and i believe yep. there's other organizations as well that have been very committed to prayer and i believe that the repentance from second chronicles but it has to not just be you know lord i pray for our country to be healed we need to actually have a a a place of repentance we need to go before the mm-hmm. lord and ask us mm-hmm. even in our ignorance and our, our indifference yes. right that right. We we've all been lied to, to and in. deceived yeah yeah we've yeah. all been lied to and deceived and so we need to come to terms with that. We need to have personal. It's Lord, start a revival, but start it here with me in my circle mm-hmm. and then with my family and my community and my state and my country. Um, so, yeah, and, and it, it all starts with God because we, we can't do any of this without him, but we are on the winning side. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see him move. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be on tonight. So thank you so it's much. Very powerful. Terenzio, could we please uh, bring up Audrey's webpage? And I want to show where people can find her book just um, before we sign off here. And then uh, thank you. Yeah. And there's the RSVP. Just click on that. I have mm-hmm. a podcast. We do updates. Uh, what happened at the Capitol? Uh, with praying in that room is also on those updates. You can uh, see that what happened on, it was May 16th uh, was the 50 year anniversary of when Texas turned from uh, God's law and adopted the 
model penal code based on Kinsey. So uh, to be in that room on that day was very humbling uh, because yeah. Texas is very interesting. It's the state where abortion became legal and spread across the country. And it also is the state where sodomy became legal. So right. of course, where would God restore his law first? Texas. I get that. <laughs> I totally yeah. understand how God works. So, um, it, and, and that's just amazing. That's amazing that's how he does that. So, incredible. yeah. Incredible. Thank you. Trenzio, can you show where the book under shop in the uh, menu, 10 tips on how not to talk to your kids about sex? And can you just give a little mm -hmm. overview of this book as well, Audrey? Yeah, as I said, uh, the first 100 pages is a lot of what I shared tonight, um, talking about the different levels. Remember when I talked about the iceberg, I go into detail uh, with the different levels and who was involved. Uh, and then, as I said, the second half of the book is because I looked at, Chris, you know, I'm always looking for Christian material. And um, so um, uh, I wanted to be able to promote a lot of good things. And there are some resources on my website that I do promote, um, but I wasn't finding a lot of things for parents. Uh, how do we raise pure kids in today's culture? I'll tell you, I have four adult children now, and um, uh, they've all... Uh, committed to purity. Uh, my oldest is married. I have grandchildren now. And um, so it can be done. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I just did a seminar for a, a youth group in Jamaica. And uh, it was a youth Bible camp. And uh, I did it on biblical purity with the kids. And I got the most humbling letter back from the youth leaders. Because again, when we use God's word and God's word alone, it works and it's powerful. Um, but when we try and take Kinsey and we bring, you know, a little Kinsey with God's word, well, a little leaven corrupts the whole loaf. So it's yeah, important absolutely. that we're using God's word alone. So lots of scripture in the second half of the book. That's awesome. I just so, so support the direction that all of this is going back to a biblical standard of purity. Uh -huh. The very fact that our children, our, our little ones, are not sexual uh, beings. Kinsey was a deviant. He got it wrong. Our schools are getting it wrong. Our educators are getting it wrong that are supporting this. And it's time to blast it out from the mountaintops. Uh, and uh, you know what? I, I think that uh, it's catching on. And it's, yeah, uh, it's a, it a, a wave, you know, that has been created and it's going across <laughs> yes. the world. And I'm super excited about that. Audrey, we're yes. going to have to have you back on. I'm thinking maybe in the new year to even have you on to do your program for the youth. And uh, yeah, we're set up for this fall with, with the youth program. But I think that that would be Great. very beneficial. If the world is so intent on, on uh, you know, sending our children this wrong message, and we know that this is causing measurable harm, then it's up to us to step in the way mm -hmm. and, uh, and actually start loving on them with the truth and what's best for them and to do it boldly and courageously. Yeah. So I just yeah. uh, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight and for all of the work that you're doing. You are our neighbors. And so, you know what, when we yeah. see you winning <laughs> and you see us winning, I mean, this is a, a very powerful movement and I'm just so glad yeah. to meet you and to be partnering up with you moving into the future. Well, I, I agree. Amen. <laughs> all right. I, I am thankful that we have connected. So uh, thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks so much. We'll see you again. Okay. 
All right. Wow. Didn't I tell you that was going to be an important show tonight? We're going to ask you that once this comes out uh, tomorrow, that you will share it far and wide, share it with friends and family, with other parents. Please make sure that you share it with your uh, elected officials, uh, with school educators, with principals, with school board trustees, and request that they respond to this information and uh, how they can continue to support this. I wanted to let you know as well, we're uh, revising our notice of liability against the SOGI and the WinSex Ed. And uh, well, we, it really is called comprehensive sexuality education. In Ontario, it's called WinSex Ed. It's called SOGI123 in BC and Alberta, but we know that all of this has already been in the school systems and the UN model is comprehensive sexuality education. So we want people to get used to that, the, the original name and uh, however they choose to mask it, you know, don't fall for it. And we're going to uh, launch that new notice of liability, hopefully before the end of the week, it's going to be more powerful than ever. And uh, it's really going to be a very strong warning. Uh, the school associations, the unions are coming out saying, disregard the notice of liability. This is to teachers, educators, principals, and saying, you know what, it, you do, it doesn't pose a risk to you, but they're 100% wrong. And as we've seen in California, uh, towards the school board uh, trustees, a mother has just won a phenomenal case where her daughter was being transitioned behind her back and they have settled with her for $100,000. Now that's got to do with the school board, but when we can prove the measurable harm and you as parents, um, even as educators, we're asking you to collect evidence. So if there is an activist in your school that is teaching these lies to students, record it. Find information. We need evidence on this individual because I believe that personal liability is coming. These children are growing up and getting into their 20s with mutilated bodies, having been on puberty blockers, and um, I'm in contact with some of these individuals. I'm in contact with the moms of daughters who have actually committed suicide. They want to tell you, do you want a dead daughter or a live son? And the um, their rhetoric about there is a high rate of suicide amongst these is nothing compared to the kids that they're indoctrinating who are realizing when they, when they get in their 20s that they've been deceived. It's natural that they're going to go through incredible depression. And yes, the suicide rate is actually 20 times higher for kids that have, for people who have transitioned. And because now they've got mutilated bodies, they can't undo it. And guess what? The government and the LGBTQ mob are not supporting them once they decide to detransition. So we've really got to be bold and courageous and get on the front line of and continue on the front line of this fight to support our kids and put a stop to this. Okay, next week's guest, you're going to love it. Robert is coming back. We had Robert on uh, a couple of months ago or a month and a half ago, and Robert talked about uh, the fires. And if there's a bioweapon that is behind this, it has been a phenomenal webinar. Uh, Last I looked, I think it was up over 110,000 views. This is a subject that citizens, not only in Canada, but around the world are very interested in because we're all experiencing it. This is a global attack against humanity and uh, we're going to continue to expose it. So Robert will be coming on the show and we're going to be focusing on Canada. We know what's happened uh, throughout the country. And then, of course, most specifically in August, the attack against uh, Shushwap area, Kelowna, 
and other places throughout British Columbia. There are still areas, if you can believe it, that are on fire. And uh, there are many reports saying that these were man-made. And uh, so that's got to be exposed. So come and join us next week. All right. Our Bible verse is Philippians 4, 8. Now then, brother, now then, brothers and sisters, think about and fill your minds with things that are true, honorable, right, just, pure, beautiful, and lovely respected and commendable, if there is anything that is good, morally excellent, and worthy of praise, think about and focus your thoughts on these things. And I just, I wanted to close with this verse, because we are being faced with uh, so, so much evil, and it is easy to be consumed by it, but you have to have a balance. You got to get into the word of God. You've got to spend time with him. And because in that, I am not afraid, right? We're going to be up against the whole land right now, against all of the evil. And the Bible gives you good things like that. We can walk on the heads of serpents and he is with us. That in the midst of this, uh, by, in the midst of this battle, it says that it's a spiritual battle against good and evil. And even for those of you who are watching this program that don't believe in God, right? But you sense evil. And to you, I just continue to encourage you that if you believe in evil, there's got to be something so good, and God is good. And the reason that Christians don't walk in fear, uh, that we're moving forward so courageously, is that uh, they can't hurt us, because ultimately God is in control of every day. He's numbered our lives. And so if God wants me to live to 102, I'm going to be sticking around. But if God has another plan for me, I don't have control of that. And most certainly, the enemy doesn't have control of that. So we can go and be bold and courageous. And I just encourage you to have the same hope and the hope that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you believe that Jesus, that God sent his only son to earth, that to be, uh, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. But the point is that we need to believe that Jesus Christ died, he rose again, and he died as a sacrifice for our sins. So no more burnt offerings. We don't have to, we just go before Jesus and say, you know what, I messed up today. And some of you may feel like you've been walking in sin for so long, you think, how could you ever be clean again? The moment that you hand your life over to Christ and say, I can't do this on my own, do you know the Bible says that he wipes you as clean as white as snow. That's an amazing thing. And that's a promise from the Lord. And even if the day after you mess up, that's the beauty. We go to Jesus and we say, you know what, please forgive me for this sin and renew me again. But it doesn't give you permission to walk in sin intentionally, right? We have to be accountable. And with that, there are so many people in, in this nation who thankfully, because of COVID, have been in desperation. And that's the only time that we actually look up to find a savior. So I hope you find your savior, savior in God, in Jesus Christ, and that you turn and have hope in him. Then you won't live in fear. You're invited into this incredible family. And we're going to, all of us continue to fight and work real hard with the successes that God has been doing in this nation, because we have been faithful, because we've been speaking out, because we've repented and we've gone before him. And he says, he's going to, he promises to heal our land. So let's just all do that together. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless Canada. Welcome, Kenya.
going to care for one another again and love on each other and give each other the help when they're down. We are going to use the, the uh, teams and the people that build within chapters to support our businesses. The government's actions are completely 100% unlawful. Judgment will again be found on justice and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. You have a virtuous heart if you are here today pursuing freedom and righteousness. And then verse 23 comes along with a promise. God says he will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. I take great comfort in that because I serve a mighty